This is the Poetry Foundation's Essential American Poets podcast. Essential American Poets is an online audio poetry collection. The poets in the collection were selected in 2006 by Donald Hall when he was Poet Laureate. Recordings of the poets he selected are available online at poetryfoundation.org and poetryarchive.org. In this edition of the podcast, we'll hear poems by Gary Snyder. Gary Snyder was born in 1930 in San Francisco and grew up in Washington State and Oregon. His early exposure to wild places had a profound influence on him. He became an expert mountain climber and learned backcountry survival as a young man. The aggressive logging in the Northwest forests also deeply affected him, and he began to look for more harmonious relationships to the earth, especially in Native American and East Asian cultures. Snyder studied anthropology and literature at Reed College, as well as Asian culture and literature at the University of California, Berkeley. While at Berkeley, he met and befriended beat writers like Ellen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac, who immortalized him in his book The Dharma Bums. Throughout his studies, Snyder worked at various jobs, including trail-making and logging. In 1956, he moved to Japan and spent the next 12 years abroad, studying Zen Buddhism and traveling through Southeast Asia. Snyder is linked to both the Beat and Black Mountain poets, but his work is very much his own. It is dominated by his own experiences of the natural world and other cultures. A practicing Buddhist, his poetry is often meditative. Snyder has also linked his style to the Japanese form haiku. Clear images and quiet, profound statements mark his work. The critic Bob Studing described Snyder's poetry as direct, concrete, non-romantic, and ecological, saying it will be remembered in its own right as the example of a new direction taken in American literature. Throughout his career, Snyder has used his poetry to inform people about ecology and non-Western cultures. Turtle Island, his most famous book, took on both topics and won the Pulitzer Prize in 1975. In 1996, he published Rivers and Mountains Without End, a poem he began in 1956. He said of the decades-long project, I can see that the initial impulses with which I opened the work, which were curiosity and affection and respect for the whole natural world, naive in some ways as they were, were basically going in the right direction. Gary Snyder has received many awards for his work, including the Bollingen Prize, the Robert Kirsch Lifetime Achievement Award, and the Ruth Lilly Award. He is Professor Emeritus at the University of California, Davis. The following poems were recorded in 1996 at the Library of Congress. The title of this cycle of poems, which I started almost exactly 40 years ago, comes from a type of Far Eastern landscape scroll called Mountains and Rivers Without End Scrolls. The hand scroll type, that is to say, scrolls that are anywhere from 12 to 25 feet long and are viewed by unrolling them on a large table, looking at maybe uh, a yard at a time. I first ran across one of, uh, a sample of one of those, probably in an art book when I was in my very early 20s, and became fascinated by the title, by the concept, and by what fragments of these um, paintings I could run across. That sense of, of landscape launched me into a project 
uh, with the help of uh, uh, other painters and poets way back in the mid-50s that I decided I would call Mountains and Rivers Without End. And I uh, kept up working on it at the rate of about one section per year for 40 years. In, in, in the interim, I published 16 books of poetry. Uh, uh, so like this project brackets everything I've done. It started earlier and ends last. So I'm going to read selections tonight. It's impossible to read it all. Uh, that I hope will uh, give you all a sense of, a sort of an outside sense of how it moves. And it's very diverse, and I'm, it's really weird. So. <laughs> Uh, uh, and it's uh, not easy to follow sometimes, but that shouldn't bother anybody. Uh, as Keats says, uh, let's have no irritable grasping after reason. <laughs> <laughs> Opening with some quotations. The notion of emptiness engenders compassion. Milarepa. And an ancient Buddha said... A painted rice cake does not satisfy hunger. A painted rice cake does not satisfy hunger. Dogen, the great Zen philosopher, comments, Ah, there are few who have even seen this painting of a rice cake, and none has ever thoroughly understood it. The paints for painting rice cakes are the same as those for painting mountains and waters. If you say the painting is not real, then the material phenomenal world is not real. The Dharma is not real. Unsurpassed enlightenment is a painting. The entire phenomenal universe and the empty sky are nothing but paintings. Since this is so, there's no remedy for satisfying hunger other than a painted rice cake. <laughs> Without painted hunger, you can never become a true person. Part one. Endless streams and mountains, qi, shang, wu, jin. Clearing the mind and sliding in to that created space, a web of waters streaming over rocks, air misty but not raining, seeing this land from a boat on a lake or a broad slow river coasting by. The path comes down along a lowland stream, slips behind boulders and leafy hardwoods, reappears in a pine grove. No farms around, just tidy cottages and shelters, gateways, rest stops, roofed but unwalled workspace, a warm, damp climate. A trail of climbing stair steps forks upstream. Big ranges lurk behind these rugged little outcrops, these spits of low ground rocky uplifts, layered pinnacles aslant, flurries of brushy cliffs receding, far back and high above, vague peaks. A man hunched over, sitting on a log. Another stands above him, lifts a staff. A third, with a roll of mats or a lute, looks on. A bit offshore, two people in a boat. The trail goes far inland. Somewhere back around a bay, lost in distant foothill slopes, and back again at a village on the beach and someone's fishing. 
a rider and a walker cross a bridge above a frothy braided torrent that descends from a flurry of roofs like flowers, temples tucked between cliffs. A side trail goes there, a jumble of cliffs above, ridge tops edged with bushes, valley fog below a hazy canyon. A man with a shoulder load leans into the grade, another horse and a hiker. The trail goes up along cascading stream bed, no bridge in sight, comes back through chinqua pin or liquid ambars, another group of travelers. Trails end at the edge of an inlet, below a heavy set of dark rock hills. Two moored boats with basket roofing, a boatman in the bow looks out, lost in thought. Hills beyond rivers, willows in a swamp, a gentle valley reaching far inland. The watching boat has floated off the page. At the end of the painting, the scroll continues on with seals and poems. It tells a further tale. Wang Wenwei saw this painting at the mayor's house in Hotung Town, year 1205. Wrote at the end of it, the fashioner of things has no original intention. Mountains and rivers are spirit condensed. Who has come up with these miraculous forests and springs? Pale ink on fine white silk. Later that month, someone named Li Hui added, most people can get along with the noise of dogs and chickens. Everybody cheerful in these peaceful times. But I, why are my tastes so odd? I love the company of streams and boulders. Tian Xie of Wei Lo, no date, next wrote, the water holds up the mountains. The mountains go down into the water. In 1332, Zhu Shun adds, this is truly a painting worth careful keeping. And it has poem colophons from the Sung and Qin dynasties that it survived dangers of fire and war, makes it even rarer. That was in 1332. In the mid 17th century, Wang To had a look at it. He wrote, my brother's relative by marriage, one Sun, is learned and has good taste. He writes good prose and poetry. My brother brought over this painting of his to show me. The great Qing dynasty collector Liang Qingbiao owned it, but did not write on it or cover it with seals. From him, it went into the imperial collection down to the early 20th century. It was brought by Chiang Kai-shek in the Guomintang, by train and boat to Taipei in 1944. Zhang Dajian, a Taiwanese art dealer, sold it in 1949. Today, it is at the Cleveland Art Museum, which sits on a rise that looks out over the waters of Mount Erie. Step back and gaze again at the land. It rises and subsides. Ravines and cliffs like waves of blowing leaves. Stamp the foot, walk with it, clap, turn, the creeks come in, ah, strain through boulders. Mountains walking on the water. Water ripples every hill. I walk out of the museum. Low gray clouds over the lake. 
chill March breeze. Old ghost ranges, sunken rivers, come again. Stand by the wall and tell their tale. Walk the path, sit the reins, grind the ink, wet the brush, unroll the broad white space, lead out and tip the moist black line. Walking on walking, underfoot earth turns. Streams and mountains never stay the same. Old bones. Out there, walking round, looking out for food. A rootstock, a bird call, a seed that you can crack. Plucking, digging, snaring, snagging, barely getting by. No food out there on dusty slopes of scree. Carry some, look for some, go for a hungry dream. Deer bones, dal sheep, bones hunger home. Out there somewhere, a shrine for the old ones, the dust of the old bones, old songs and tales. What we ate, who ate what, how we all prevailed. now a poem for a city. This is called The Night Song of the Los Angeles Basin. Owl calls, pollen dust blows, swirl of light strokes writhing, not tying light paths, the calligraphy of cars. Los Angeles basin and hill slopes checkered with streetways, floral loops of the freeway express and exchange. These dragons of light in the dark sweep going both ways in the night city belly. The passage of light end to end and rebound, ride drivers all heading somewhere, etch in their traces to night's eye mind the calligraphy of cars. Like vole paths, like mouse trails worn in on meadow grass, like winding pocket gopher tunnels with marmot lookout rocks. Houses with green watered gardens slip under the ghost of the dry chaparral. Ghost, shrine to the Los Angeles River, the shrine, the jinja that never was there, is there where the river debouches Venice, the place of the moment of trembling and gathering and giving so that lizards clap their hands there, just lizards, come pray saying, please give us health and long life. A hawk, a mouse, the slash of calligraphy of freeways of cars. And into the pools of the channelized river comes the goddess in tall rain dress, tosses a handful of meal. The gold bellies royal, mouth bubbles, frenzy of feeding. The common ones, the bright colored rare ones show up. They tangle and tumble. Godlings ride by in Rolls Royce. 
wide-eyed in brokers' halls, lifted in hotels, being presented to platters of tidbits and wine, snatches of fame, churn and royal. Meal gone, the water subsides. A mouse, a hawk. The calligraphy of lights on the night freeways of Los Angeles will long be remembered. Owl calls, late rising moon. The dance. In the Kojiki, the record of ancient affairs, as you may well remember, uh, the brother of the sun goddess offended his sister uh, by throwing a half-skinned pony through the roof of the house and wrecking the looms and scattering shit all around. And so uh, she went and hid in a cave. Having done so, there was no light anywhere on earth. So the gods, by the hundreds of thousands, because the Japanese never put any limit on the gods, um, gathered in a huge, broad, dry riverbed to try to figure out how to get her back. And this is the story of how she, got, how she came back. Epigraph. Against its will, energy is doing something productive, like the devil in medieval history. The principle is that nature does something against its own will, and by self-entanglement produces beauty. Otto Rissler, physicist. Izanami, the goddess, gave birth to rocks, trees, rivers, mountains, grass, and at last, a blazing child. So, burned, she died. In the land of darkness, a mass of pollution. Ah, wash her clear stream. Skinny little girl with big ears. We have passed through, passed through, flesh out of flesh. Then, shining heavens, Amaterasu, the goddess of the sun, her brother flung mud and shit and a half-skinned pony through the palace. So she entered a cave, shut it up with a rock, made the world dark. Ame no Uzume, outrageous heavenly goddess, one of the many gods and goddesses, wrapped the numinous club moss of Mount Kagu around her hips, made a headband from the leaves of Nishikigi, bound bamboo grass for her wristlets, and put a sounding board down before the cave where the sun goddess hid. She danced and she stamped till it echoed around, danced like a goddess possessed, pulled out her nipples, pushed her sash down till she showed herself down below, and the plain of high heaven shook with the laughs and the cheers and the whistles of thousands of gods who were gathered to watch. Jean Herbert the whole river, clear back to each creeklet, rock-rimmed, all one basin drawing in the threads, pacing down dry riverbeds, the dance, might, stomping, stepping on the gravelly bar, step, stop, stomp of the foot, glide and turn, headwaters, mountains, breathing icy bliss, diamond-glittered, biddy snow creek, eating the inorganic granite down. Trees once cooled the air, and clouds, ah, ghosts of water, springs gone dry, hills of Yugoslavia clear-cut for the Roman fleet. 
Don't think all that topsoil's gone. It only waits. Slept on riverside bars, drank from muddy streams, grains cooked in rock flower glacier water, dirt left on boulders for a sandy heap of years, and creeks meander just because they swing. The stamp of the masked dancer pacing tangled channels, putting salt and gold dust in the sea. Ami no Uzume no Mikoto bound up her sleeves with a cord of heavenly hikage vine, tied round her head a headband of the heavenly masaki vine, bound together bundles of sasa leaves to hold in her hands, and overturning a bucket before the heavenly rock cave door, stamped resoundingly upon it. Then she became divinely possessed, exposed her breasts, and pushed her skirt band down to her genitals. Alan Grippard. Translators. Laughter roared like thunder through the plains of heaven, and the hidden goddess of the sun, Amaterasu, peeked out round the rock, and all the little faces of the gods gleamed white in the light. Herbert and Grappard, around her head, Nishikigi leaves and Masaki vines. In her hands, Sasa, as wristlets, bamboo grass. Sleeves tied with Hikage vine. Around her hips, club moss. Ame no Uzume, what did she wear? What leaves were in her hair? How far did she push her skirt down? That was Gary Snyder, recorded in 1996 at the Library of Congress and used by permission of Counterpoint Press. You have been listening to the Essential American Poets podcast, produced by the Poetry Foundation in collaboration with PoetryArchive.org. To learn more about Snyder and other Essential American Poets, and to hear more poetry, go to PoetryFoundation.org.